0: Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the Peeps. This is the world champion American soccer podcast in which you are going to get to know everything you need to know about the mediocre startup national team. Just kidding. It's a mediocre startup podcast in which you are going to get to know everything that you need to know about the world champion USWNT. This is the final concluding episode to what has been a fantastic experience that we've called She the Peeps, the mini series on this here stream. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Kwame. I'm a
1: doctor, not at all affiliated with the national team, although I wish I was
0: at times like this. And we love the Nats. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's the people. It's we the people. Folks, the game was the one and only World Cup final. They don't come around so often. Not even if you're a dynasty. Not even if you're as good as we are at this here game. We got to watch on Sunday. Let's call it the other day. We got to watch our gnats, our good gnats, the elite gnats, take home the trophy, uh, and eventually carry it to Tribeca, where my friend Kevin, who was visiting from Seattle, saw them in person. So that happened. I can send the link to the video. It's not that interesting. It's cooler to talk about. But without further ado, shall we uh, dive into this win, this finals win, Kwam Das? Yes, we shall. The uh, The U.S. came out... With the biggest surprise here, Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapinoe starting. There were some injury concerns, but they made it, uh, and aren't we glad that they did? Uh, Alex Morgan, I would note, uh, came out having her what looked to be her strongest game. It seemed like Kwame's prediction might come true that she would uh, end up playing a uh, having a few more goals in her this tournament. It didn't quite play out that way, but she did earn a penalty kick off of a uh, a high kick, which VAR'd itself uh, into a Megan Rapinoe penalty that she sunk. Ice cold. Spoiler alert, she would end up winning the Golden Boot. Whoever saw that coming? And that turned this whole thing around. Up until that moment, it didn't seem locked in by any means for our good gnats. Uh, But after that moment, things definitely shifted and uh, it would culminate with what for me is the highlight of the whole tournament. A Rose Lavelle goal who dribbles in transition out of the midfield, does a shimmy that doesn't seem to make the highlights. The highlights on this one show the the finish, which is a, a great finish. Credit to the finish, of course, but what really makes this goal amazing is the shimmy that she does uh, with about 25 yards to the goal, uh, sort of putting both center backs on their heels. Then she... She has a nice slight touch to get right in between them and slots this one away. The U.S. would indeed win this World Cup after it's all said and done. 2-0 versus the Netherlands. And by the end of it, they really did look like like their truest selves. In the end, it started to feel inevitable at at around the 80th minute. it, It really felt like this team was cruising towards the finish, and they were... It felt good. It's nice to watch a team that plays good soccer in a U.S. jersey. And there's so much more to it than that. To all of you out there who've been following this team and are excited, congratulations to you. And uh, Kwame, how, what were your first impressions coming off of this win? Really satisfying win. Uh,
1: I had a, I had a different uh... Uh, view kind of of the, of the shape of the match uh, than, than you did, it seems. Uh, I thought that, uh, as you said, it was 0-0 for a while. Uh, I thought that the Netherlands set themselves up tactically uh, to try to frustrate us. They set up in kind of looked like a 4-4-1-1. Uh, and in doing so, they sacrificed a lot of their offensive potential um, so they sacrificed their offensive potential to stymie us. and But that basically left them with really only one way to score, um, to hope to really catch us out on a counterattack with either one or sort of two people. Uh, and as the game went along, um, they were somewhat nervous for the U.S. because if the Netherlands did manage to grab a goal against the run of play... Um, we weren't exactly opening them up, and so even though we we were the better team, you know, you you do sometimes see these one nil uh, upsets. But I think that after the uh, the penalty kick, uh, really, the Netherlands were uh, were in a lot of trouble because they either would need to come out of their shell a little bit and then be very vulnerable, or they needed to keep hoping for something that would tie the game up and then still, how would they win? I do agree that the Roosevelt goal um broke the game open pretty much wrapped things up and also was uh, a brilliant run and she set she set the defenders on her heels set herself up for the shot positioned the goalkeeper got her moving the wrong way uh it was really a sublimely taken uh goal and it was uh if she wasn't already doing it in this tournament this was Rose Lavelle kind of planting her flag as uh you know the player that everyone kind of wishes they had on their national team. Uh I thought that um you know the US again won I think without hitting their full stride. I mean, we've talked about how great this team is and how uh what winners they are um and I think further proof is that they didn't they weren't hitting on all on all cylinders. I thought the Vel had a you know had a good game in spurts. I thought that Mewis was a little bit missing. I thought Rapino obviously steps up in his clutch for that penalty kick, but aside from that, she didn't quite look as sharp. Um, Alex Morgan, uh, again, a sort of tough as nails performance. Gets that penalty kick was putting herself in dangerous spots, uh, and we were just the better team, and the Netherlands couldn't couldn't hang with us even when we weren't quite fully at our best. Um if you told me that we were going to fairly comfortably win a World Cup final against the reigning European champions without Lindsey Horan having to step on the field I would have uh I would have raised that eyebrow uh repeatedly over and over again. <laughs> um, but uh yeah this was uh you know this was a frustrating I would say sort of first half partly the way the Netherlands set up I thought also in my hotel room watching the game because I was out of town. I was yelling at us to move the ball quicker and I thought that we could have. Um, But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be, it's not so much being critical of this team as sort of saying, yeah, you know, this was uh, we have another level to go to. And, uh, and that's, that's as exciting as this win for me.
0: Yeah. It's incredible that, that, that can be the case. It does remind me a little bit of the the, uh, men's, Team for France that won the World Cup, although they did score four in their final, uh, that they, they felt that that way. It felt that way a little bit often with that team where it was like mm. they could do that you could tell that they had gears to go, but they were either not able to get there or didn't need to get there. Um and I think that the, the US showed I think you the US really uh vindicated Jill Ellis uh and and her decision making in this tournament by winning games in the ways that they needed to win them. They, this this team didn't need to be a 10 out of 10 on every minute of every game or even most minutes of most games. And yet uh, somehow the, the, the moments that mattered most went our way. And I think that has a little bit to do with luck, but a lot of it to do with the decisions that were made by Jill, Jill Ellis and a lot to do with the, just the sort of, ruthless willingness to do whatever it takes to win at the end of the day.
1: I I agree. I think that um, certainly this was a team with a lot of poise. Um, This was a team that was fully bought in on the plan. And I think that one of the strengths of Ellis, because with a team this versatile and this good, you can come up with a million different ways for this team that they should play or should win the tournament. And it's not that a person is wrong um, if they would do it a different way. For example, I was listening to a podcast where Anson Dorrance, right, who is the manager of the 91 World Cup team and has won a million championships at North Carolina, and he was talking about how he would line up the team, right? And it was different than Jill Ellis. And it's not that either of them is wrong, right? Both of them know so much more about this team and about uh and about soccer in general than any of us right but they are coming up with different approaches but i do think that what ellis definitely did was was let the team know what the plan was right and they were all able to buy in to that plan they were all able to say this is how we're going to win uh with this plan and its and its variations uh, and then they just executed it. Um, I think Megan Rapino, you know, she wins the Golden Blue without, I think, really um, playing her best, which is an incredible statement. But she had such poise in all of the key moments. And with all of the uh, controversy and pressure kind of swirling around this team, and a lot of that swirling around, her, you saw a player who uh is unfazed by pressure and i think it, it perhaps is even strengthened by it um that is unflinching and just has swagger coming out of every pore of her body and i think that is probably the case for this entire team uh you know she is the sort of the player that symbolizes it the most, that's the most emblematic of it. But I think that's the mental strength that really kind of carried them through. Like if you watch both uh, how she took that penalty kick and then also after the game, and I hope everyone who's listening to this podcast has also been watching all of the videos and Instagram stories of this team and how they're celebrated afterwards. Just pure swagger. I mean, more swagger than (laughs) any team or collection of people that I can think of, uh, and completely deserve, you know, this is what this team, uh, captures, um, that I think a lot of other teams were, people were criticizing saying, oh, that's arrogant or, you know, X, Y, Z. And it's, you know, it's, it's swagger, right?
0: It's swag, it's swag, and it's awesome. I mean, you couldn't ask for, in my opinion, a better group of people to serve as role models uh, for anyone out there, and especially for young female athletes or otherwise out there. Uh, this, this is a group of people who is good at what they do, knows that they are good at what they do, and is willing to have some fun along the way and be human beings and be different and show, show their character, show, show their different uh, sort of perspectives on life. And I don't think there's much... I don't think there is a much better contribution you can ask athletes to make to the to society at large, you know, not only are they executing, they're doing what their job is ostensibly, which is to play the game of soccer. Uh, they're doing that well, but in addition to that, they're they're speaking out uh, on important issues. They are they are cool. They are entertaining. I would buy their album if they made one. I would you know I would buy their sneakers if they designed sneakers. You know, this this is a group of people that can really uh, move the needle. Uh, in the ways that they see fit, and I think that's important, and you see that occasionally you know uh people like uh Lebron James comes to mind who not only plays well on on the court but also makes really important has made really impactful decisions in terms of sort of like uh uh salary and and how the n b a treaters n b a players are treated um and and that's what you want to see from your from your greatest athletes is using that that platform to do something with it and to do something important. Um, On that note, there is a a really major um, sort of macro perspective that we've not yet addressed or talked about on this show, and there are reasons for that. Um, I'm talking about the gender pay gap. It's been important to me in crafting this coverage of of this team to really, to really paint, to look at it in terms of soccer and and who these players are, and to enjoy the game for what it is, uh, without you know getting too immediately bogged down in the politics of things, and to to give this team a chance to win us. On the field, which which they did, but it would I I can't possibly continue on without mentioning it, that this team, which is a team of the greatest athletes this country has ever produced, is getting paid less than the men's team, which just lost the gold cup in um, practically hilarious fashion uh, through a, a, a comedy of errors. To Mexico and is 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 and has been an embarrassment to this country. Um, and yet, these women who are doing it better and cooler and in every way, uh, checking every box you can ask them to, is getting paid less. Um, Kwame, can you tell me a little bit about why that is and, and how we ended up here?
1: I can start to share what, what I know and what I'm able to keep track of. When we talk about um, pay equity and the gender pay gap Um, there are many different factors and we're also that gap exists in many different places so there's a pay gap between um, the prize money that FIFA gives out um, to so the way that uh, the prizes work for like the World Cup FIFA gives a sort of winner's amount out to the federation and then the federation dispenses that right so um fifa gives less to the winners of the women's world cup than they do to the to the uh men's world cup so that's a gap that comes from fifa there's another gap that comes from um u.s soccer which at times has been uh things like uh per diem, like how much a player gets for food um when they're a day when they're traveling with the national team, really sort of petty stuff which seems really sort of obvious, and then more um and then um other things having to do with salary from the national team, which is complicated because the men's team basically gets just paid um for games and camps. While the women's team has an annual salary, um, so not quite—it's uh, not quite apples to apples. It's apples to oranges, but it's still—but there are areas where it lines up, and it's still not quite equal. Um, then there's also uh, a pay gap in terms of what these players are making in their domestic leagues, um, the NWSL compared to, say, MLS. Um, although you could extend that comparison out, if we're not just talking about the U.S. team, to um, what Man City's women's team gets paid versus players on the men's team, um, sponsorships and all of that, and so it's it's very complicated, right? And there are lots of um, there are lots of I would say complexities, right, that need to be looked at in a nuanced way, um, and then there are lots of excuses. Um, and I think what the, uh, women's team and not just this iteration of the women's team, but going back right over the decades, each version of the women's national team has taken on a different fight for equity, whether it was fields or not playing on turf or recognition or getting us soccer to actually, um, try to get sponsorships for them, um, you know, one of the reasons that's often given for not giving the women the same amount of money as the men is saying, oh, well, you know, they don't make as much, they don't bring in as much revenue, right? They don't bring in the same sort of sponsorships. And what the women have been saying for years, if you hear like the 99ers or other people talk about, um, is that, well, we don't bring in the same amount of revenue and sponsorships, but you're also not putting the same amount of money trying to find us those sponsorships you're just sort of assuming that the money isn't there um, and ignoring and you know ignoring ratings and sort of things like that so it's very complex uh, right now um, the this women's team has a lawsuit against US soccer um, to try to resolve some of these pay gap issues um, It sounds as if the most um, recent talk, is that um, there's going to be some sort of mediation that takes place after the World Cup that is probably not going to go to court. Um, Megan Rapinoe was able to be fairly kind of uh, uh, chummy with Carlos Cordero, the president of U.S. Soccer, um, at the uh, award uh, presentation. That's a moment where, you know, there's a lot of uh, good vibes going around, but also in statements subsequent. I think there there have been things that have... uh, uh, there are things that there's looks like there's been movement um, in a positive direction. But what that ultimately is going to look like, uh, who knows? And Rapino, when she was talking about this in one of the dozens of interviews that I think she's been giving about this recently, she made this really kind of wry sardonic point uh, when someone was asking about what's fair and she was like, you know, Uh, I'm not quite quoting her correctly here, but essentially was saying, you know, would it be so bad if we were actually overpaid for once? Like just once, right? We've been underpaid and we're trying to figure out what's fair. But, you know, if you overpaid us, like would the world, you know, fall over off its axis? And obviously the answer is is no. So uh, I think that um, there's there's a lot to be developed. Uh, We've been talking mostly about the U.S., um, because this is a U.S. podcast, but if you were listening to the broadcasts and um, reading any other articles, we we also know that this is a gap that exists in uh, other federations as well. To um, to sometimes to starker degrees than the U.S. is facing, which is not to minimize what the U.S. is facing, but to say that this really has to be a
0: global trend and reversal. Um, it does and the us has the opportunity to lead the way on this uh increasingly as a us citizen it's it, we've made some choices that sometimes make me a little bit less proud of being a, a, an american or you know struggle struggle with i struggle with some of the choices our country has made around the world one of the choice one of the great choices uh the the things that's really one of the things that's really working out is that we have a society in which A a women's league has been able to be created in the sport of soccer. And we've been able to, because of the fact that we are a little more inclusive than other countries, consistently defeat them in the world's game and put a product on the field that's amazing and inspiring. And I think that there's often a chicken and the egg sort of debate that happens with gender pay where it's like, well, they're not doing it well enough and the reality is we are not investing in it well enough and it could be so much better. That's true for the sponsorships, that's true for the league, and that's true for the product on the field. Um, I think we see right now, we're still in an era where these teams that we saw in the World Cup, some of them are forcing themselves on the world by saying, no, we are good at this and you're not going to pay us, you're not going to give us Uh, You know, time to practice. You're not going to give us any of the means that we need, and yet teams like like Argentina are making it happen for themselves, Um, and that's that's beautiful and it's inspiring. But it needs to change, and we need to move on. And if anything, I think the fact that the, the the U.S. women's team is as good as it is is proof of a future that could be so much brighter even. If if we continue to push this and we really double down on what we kind of accidentally did, which was we created a society in which women are a little bit closer to equal than most other societies, uh, they, we, we see that product play out on the field in a really great way. This team is incredible and has been amazing to watch this whole time. And imagine how great this, the women's side of, of soccer could be in general in club and for country and around the world if uh, this trend continues and is, and is pushed even farther, which it needs to be. And I, I think Rapino's totally right. Let's overpay him by accident and, and maybe pull it back a little from there.
1: Right. So what that leads me to is, you know, it's clear that this team and many of, other, many of these teams that we've seen from other countries – um in this tournament are working their butts off doing their parts to advocate for themselves in the face of you know opposition disdain um corruption uh so then the question for me is like okay how do we what do we do as fans right how do we support these uh these endeavors um and i think there's a couple of things right you know so you talked about the nwsl right which is a league and that is a really entertaining league um i think a very competitive league a league where you can see um pretty much all of the stars of the u.s women's team but also um a bunch of the australian stars a bunch of the uh, brazilian players um players from, uh, you know, sort of other countries, Canada, et cetera. But speaking of, you know, the pay gap, the league minimum salary for the NWSL is uh, $16,000 a year. Um, The maximum salary um, is somewhere around $40,000 a year. Um, But the salary cap per team is somewhere, it's somewhere in south of $500,000. Um, so, you know, if you just do the quick math on that, if you have 20 players on a team, right, you're probably somewhere around $20,000 um, in salary uh, per player. Um, the members of the U.S. national team uh, get paid more, but they don't get paid by their NWSL teams. Um, this is also part of the complexities of the figure out what the gender pay is. So members of the women's national team, uh, 22 of them actually get designated, not 23 for reasons that are beyond me, but um, so they get paid a salary by us soccer. And then they also get their NWSL salary paid by us soccer. Um, so they they probably are making around one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year in salary, but and then, but then a, a you know a, squad member of the team um, uh, is probably around twenty thousand dollars a year, right? And how competitive it is that? How much can the game of soccer grow, right? And so, in order to keep it healthy, in order to keep these players from giving up on their careers and um, going into jobs that they can better support themselves um, this league needs more money Uh, now for the nwsl has already started its season Uh, up until very recently they didn't have a tv deal Um, previously they had been able to you'd been able to watch them on lifetime and a and e but uh, they lost their tv deal and so they were only available on Yahoo Sports streaming, which you could watch for free, um, but that was the only outlet you could watch them. Uh, Just a few days ago, in part, I think based on the success of the World Cup, ESPN announced that they'll be covering, I think, 14 regular season and all of the playoffs of the NWSL for the the remainder of this season. Um, And then Budweiser also announced that they would be uh, sponsoring the NWSL. Um, So two really big forces in sports and sports sponsorship are, you know, paid attention to the huge ratings uh, that this World Cup had and is putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, So as fans, we need to do the same. Um, You know, we need to watch uh, these games on ESPN. You should watch uh, on Yahoo streaming. Um, You know, even if you're not able to sit down and watch like... Put your uh put your computer on to stream the game so that you know the whatever computer you know algorithms are measuring ratings and things like that count you as as a viewer. Um, write emails, write letters to ESPN to Budweiser, saying you know thank you for sponsoring this team. Uh, you know I'm gonna buy a Budweiser because you're supporting this team. Uh, that's what we we need is sort of a grassroots uh proof that. We want a sustainable, viable league where these players get paid. Um, if the Premier League in uh, uh, starts televising their women's games, we need to start watching those games. Uh, and so, really, we really need to support this team and their lawsuits and their mediation with our voices, with our dollars with our eyeball.
0: Absolutely. And there's a secondary benefit to that, which is if you have ever Now we are two dudes talking talking women's soccer. That's a fact. And I I think it's, you know, we've it's crucially important that that you the listener get some uh, get yourself exposed to some different ideas. And so that's why on a couple occasions we've mentioned podcasts that have more female voices, uh, and and I think that's really important. And I think that what you can do if if you are someone and th- forgive me if this comes off as crass or uh, you know somehow offensive, I, I genuinely apologize for that. But uh, if you're somebody who feels like the the women's game of soccer is just not fun to watch because it's not as good, two things. One, I think you're mistaken. You're wrong. Uh, And two, try actually watching it. We've been fed images of men being good at physical things for our entire lives. We saw, like, James Bond and, you know whatever, martial arts movies. And like, you know, we are fed these images and told this narrative from a young, young age that men are good at this and that women can only be cool if they're hot in a very specific way. And part of the reason why you out there and why I myself on occasion, this is something I've worked on as well. So I'm not, you know, uh, I, I I own that. Um, but the part of the reason why there's a perception that, these, that women's soccer and women's sports in general is less entertaining is because we haven't watched these games. So give yourself more exposure to these situations. As you do, you'll find that your, your psyche actually t- t- can change slowly over time. And this is an issue of consciousness, not of quality on the field. Um, it's far more about perception than quality on the field, and and so what will happen is you'll start to see the world in a different way, and start to see if you're a man, uh, if you you know if you are a dude out there, you you you'll start to see women in a different way, and that's actually the most what's most beautiful about all this, and what's really most important. And then the the, the follow up benefit of that is that when we tune in. There will be more funding, and the game will improve. But it's already there. It's it's our perception of this thing that is off. Uh,
1: you may be nervous with your preemptive apology, uh, but I think uh, I you know I think there's there's a lot of merit in what you uh, in what you said. Um, I, one thing I would say is that you said that minds can change somewhat slowly. I would say that uh, sometimes they can actually change really quickly. I would really encourage people to watch an NWSL match. Uh, it's a very attacking league. It's very aggressive. It's very end-to-end. It's attack and counterattack. Um, also, the goalie play is remarkable. I mean, we've talked on this show about the depth in the goalie position on the national team and how... You know, that creates a situation where, situation where a goalie as good as Alyssa Nair uh, can maybe be questioned whether she should have the starting position. Uh, but you'll see blindingly good saves, like, every week in the NWSL. Just even just go on YouTube and watch, you know, the uh, the, the quick sort of five-minute highlight segment from any particular game. It's really, really impressive. It's a very fast, uh, athletic uh, game it's very entertaining. Uh so definitely check that out and uh continue to support uh that league, US Soccer. I think another interesting thing that may happen, which perhaps will also make the US step up our game is we're seeing more growth in Europe. Um and the European leagues and their, you know, sort of traditional powerhouses and their academy systems. Um, And we may soon be to the point where U.S. national team players are in a better position financially to play overseas than to play in the U.S. domestic league. Uh, That Rose Lavelle, I would not be surprised that Uh, She'll probably stay in the league. um, But, well, who knows what you do. But I would not be surprised if Rose Lavelle gets an offer from Barcelona or Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid actually is just starting their women's team. I would not be surprised if Real Madrid calls Rose Lavelle and says, here's half a million dollars, come play for us. right? Which would be well above what she would make in the NWSL. And what does that do if we start to lose some of our stars, like who we're so proud of to European leagues. Does that make us retreat or does that make us step up our game? Does that make US soccer be like, oh, hey, hold on, let's go get more sponsors so we can uh, we can compete with Real Madrid, you know, for these salaries? Because we know that we know that MLS can't, right? But MLS was coming so much later to the game than, uh, you know, than these clubs who have hundreds of years of tradition. But I think it's... It'd be a very it'd be very difficult for our uh American psyche to take if these upstart um upstart quote unquote uh new women's teams were taking our star players. And I think that's only gonna be good. I think salary competition from other leagues is only gonna be good for these uh for these players.
0: It it it's it's happening, whether we like it or not, whether we help it or not. This is about Amazing people doing amazing things who will not take no for an answer. And take a second to think about what 15 grand a year actually is. Take a second to think about what 40 grand a year actually is. And think about how much dedication it takes to get to this level of this game. And every one of those players you just saw win the World Cup uh, had to face the reality that they may never get that U.S. soccer bump and that they, they, were, they may have to play for 40 grand max a year until their career ended and then have to start another career. And just really, really think about that. We're not talking about like squibbling over a minor difference. We're talking about life-changing amounts of money and, and genuinely difficult circumstances that we are putting these elite human beings under. In order to do something that they and we love, we love that they do this. So let's give them more of an opportunity. Let's give ourselves more of an opportunity to have this amazing game in our life. Why not? Here, here. All right, y'all. We are sitting on a dynasty. We done did it twice. Deuces, baby, twice in a row. Uh, what? What do you do now? Where do you go from here? It's. It's a. It's an. Un, we, we've never seen this before, certainly not uh in in a US jersey. And and we're talking about a team that, that won it and then won it again. So I suppose the goal now is to continue winning it forever. Am I wrong, Kwame?
1: Yes, the goal is you know to continue to excel and to win, obviously. I mean that's the, the goal for um you know for all of these teams. I think for the US um You know, long term is to be in a position to win the World Cup again in four years, um, which will involve improving ourselves and staying ahead of this um, rising tide of other teams around the world who are going to have another four years. But then short term, uh, the next big tournament uh, for the women um, is the Olympics um, for for the for women's soccer Olympic soccer is just a notch below uh the world cup and men it's it's for the men it's different because the Olympics is basically an under twenty three tournament that's the way it's structured and so euros and Copa America and gold cup um, hold more sway uh but the um twenty twenty Olympics in Japan is just a year away uh and so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, You know, once this team finishes celebrating, um, you know, they've got their ticker tape parade. Uh, We're recording on Tuesday. It's tomorrow morning. Uh, And then soon after that, uh, you know, they probably go back to their club teams. And then uh, I think in October, uh, they start the qualifying process for the Olympics. Uh, Now, it's they have to qualify out of CONCACAF. And there are two spots uh for the Olympic tournament. There are 12 teams that get in, so it's a smaller tournament than the World Cup. Uh and you almost always it's uh the US and uh Canada that qualify out of CONCACAF, although you know Mexico and Jamaica um uh have been making strides. But uh the US I think fully expects to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, but a year is not that uh far away uh but it's enough time for very little change or time for a lot of change uh the US is a team that um has kind of this uh sort of bimodal distribution of ages um we have a lot of players um in their 30s and up um Kristen Press, Alissinere, Rapino, uh, Heath, Alex Morgan just turned uh 30, Becky Sauerbrunn Um, is over 30 Uh, and then we have a lot of players Uh, we've talked a great deal about the midfield Uh, Mewis, Haran, Lavelle are all under the age of 25 I think Ertz is 27 or 28 Um, and Carly Lloyd I think is 36 so we could essentially keep this whole team with some cuts uh, because for the World Cup, you're allowed a twenty three person roster in the Olympics. I believe it's just eighteen because it's a shorter tournament. so there're going to be some uh, some difficult cuts to make um, for that anyways. Uh, but for Ellis, um, whose contract is up, but who I think we all expect will continue on at least through the Olympics and then perhaps reevaluate. Uh, do we keep the band together? Uh, Or do we start to um, start to use this Olympic tournament as a time to give high level tournament experience to uh, players that we want to see emerge um, and uh, expect to be uh, part of the core in four years? And what Um, would be
0: your preference on that, Kwame?
1: I'd like to see a little bit of a mix. This team is so competitive and has a tradition of, you, you know, you fight for your spot. You know, you don't get your spot. You don't get the spot because you're in the new up-and-comer. You don't um, get the spot because you're the veteran. But I would say that um, there are some players. Uh, so one player that comes to mind is Tierna Davidson. Yeah. Uh, who um, was kind of the reserve utility um, for the back line. She is primarily a center back uh And I would say, you know, maybe a year and a half ago uh, when she emerged as a candidate for the national team, she was on a trajectory that would have had her starting in place of Becky sauerbrunn uh for this World Cup. She fractured her ankle and lost a lot of time and was really just getting back into the swing of things uh leading up to the world cup uh but I think that there, I think I would like to see, assuming that she continues to grow and show her full strength, I think I would like to see uh, Tierna Davidson uh, get some big tournament experience um, paired either with Abby Dahlkamper or perhaps uh, we experiment with, does Julie Ertz, do we want her as the sixth? Do we want to move her back into the center back? Um do we want Lindsey Horan as the sixth? Do we want to stay in the 433? Do we want to use this next year to start experimenting with formations again? Um, that is going to maximize the the depth that we have out of this kind of great midfield, you know, do we want to kind of go to a 442 where we're in kind of a good diamond and you know all sorts of uh all sorts of possibilities? Uh, do we want a four two three one? You know, I could just rattle off formations, but you know, you get you get the idea. Four, so three, I would say six, play seven, yeah one one random numbers. So uh, formation experimentation, I'd like to see. I think I'd like to see a competition between Tierna Davidson and um, and uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. I also and you know I also would love to see Crystal Dunn perhaps get rewarded for her service at left back by allowing her to fight for one of the midfield spots. Uh, Rose Lavelle has, as we said, as emerged as a star in that sort of attacking midfield position. Uh, but Crystal Dunn in that position uh, is also terrifying driving at that defense in the way Rose Lavelle did Uh, to score that killer game against the Netherlands. And I would like to see um, other players get a look at that left-back spot. Uh, We saw young uh, Emily Fox get thrown into the fire against France uh, this past January. Uh, That suggests that we think she's a potential player for the future um maybe also uh Casey Short who is a last minute cut but who is a very solid player um in the NWSL or maybe another emerging left back uh that's something I would like to see uh and you know I think the attacking um uh, the attacking front I think it's not too early to begin to think about um a um a protege in the forward position uh, for uh, you know to sort of follow on the heels of of Alex Morgan. Um, again, assuming we keep that four three three, but perhaps perhaps we have a different formation, and perhaps we uh, you know perhaps we uh, try to pair uh, someone with, uh, Alex Morgan, you know, perhaps we move Tobin Heath in centrally. And, you know, there's all sorts of things I would like to see experimentation. I would not like us just to, uh, keep the same team and, you know, cut the, you know, the final five additions to this team, whoever that was. So you know, probably, I think we only take two goalkeepers and probably Morgan Bryan and Ali Long because um, they were kind of like the last editions on. Um, does Ali Krieger get to stay on the team? Does Al Sonic get to stay on the team? Um, lots of lots of questions. But I would also I would like to see some people from who are excelling at NWSL um, get get a sniff. And I think we will see that in the CONCACAF uh, qualifying tournament um, and some other uh, friendlies that we'll probably have over the course of this year. It's interesting. Um, that uh the way that so Europe doesn't have a qualifying tournament they have Europe gets three spots for the Olympics. They don't have a qualifying tournament. it's just the um, the three best finishers from the World cup. so that means that the European um, participants will be England, Sweden, and the Netherlands. Um, that means that um, uh, one there's potential for the uh, renewal of the rivalry with England in just one year's time at a high-level uh, competition, and they'll be out for blood. Um, and, but also France uh, and Germany um, uh, and Italy and all of these uh, European teams that are trying to continue with the momentum that they picked up in this World Cup – they're going to want to um really be playing tough teams and so that probably means that the US if it wants to can have some really high level friendlies uh and I hope we take advantage of that. So a really potentially exciting year coming up for the US NWSL on ESPN qualifying friendlies, uh new blood fighting it out with the old blood. Uh it doesn't it it doesn't stop being uh A spectacle um for this team,
0: yeah, it just keeps going. stay tuned y'all don't look away from your screens. I personally would like to see some of those uh some of those other keepers you've been you've been talking about you know i listen you know it, it went okay. she had her her big moments that when she needed to, but I'd like to see some uh rotation there. see what else we got.
1: Yeah. So the Portland, uh, there's lots on any team in the NABO cell there's, there's great uh, players, but um, Adriana French is the goalkeeper for the Portland Thorns, um, which is a team that has, um, that has Lindsay Horan and Tobin Heath um, and also Emily Sonnet and uh, a couple Brazilian um, players as well. And, her athleticism in in goal is sort of out of this world. Now it doesn't mean that uh, you know she should have started over Alyssa Nair. You know, perhaps Nair is a better penalty kick taker, and that's you know, and that's uh, that was clearly key for us. But um, penalty kicks. This is an right? opportunity. Yeah. yeah, but this is an opportunity to see what Ashlyn Harris can do, and what Adriana French can do, and what Alyssa Nair can do week in and week out. Um, you know with a with a back line that she plays in that she you know trains with all of the time uh we get a sense of the depth of this team from watching this 23 man roster of the world cup uh and you know if you watch the NWSL you get a sense of how deep that pool is um and also give a chance for that pool to stay to stay strong so you know find your team uh find your dark horse player that you really want to get a sniff um on the national team uh my uh i'm a big fan of uh savannah mccaskill uh who i think now is with sky blue uh she got uh i think four or five games with uh the national team about a year or so ago kind of a um uh Kind of a attacking midfielder kind of withdrawn uh, striker, sort of that number ten slash number nine kind of hybrid um, crafty, tricky um, and uh, I'd like to see her get a, a, another few uh, a few bites at the Apple. But if you watch the league, uh, you know get your own favorites and uh, cheer them on, buy their jersey, uh, show up at their games
0: Do it y'all. Do it. Uh, uh, final thoughts here on what has been a mega successful World Cup for us. Couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't have shared it with anyone. Uh, wouldn't rather have shared it with anyone other than you, Kwam Das. I am so, so grateful to have had you to illuminate uh, these, these experiences as we've gone along. Uh, it's been pretty awesome. I gotta say, one last time while I have the chance, Kelly O'Hara is a legend. She's a beast. I think she's underrated if that's possible and I think she was crucial to the success of the team. Final thoughts here Kwame?
1: Oh, I have so many final thoughts. Um I could ramble on for another hour about this team. Uh I I I care about them that much. I think they're, you know, there's so many so many stories um that are going to be told. Um you know, I would say keep up your thirst for stories about this team. Uh, follow Meg Linehan, Follow Caitlin Murray. Listen to the work that uh, Grant Wall is doing. Um, you know, subscribe to the Athletic and and read their stories.
0: Follow all these players on uh, Instagram.
1: But, but I think that yes, Kelly Kelly O'Hara. I, I I couldn't agree with you more that Kelly O'Hara. You know, the, that fullback position. I was really concerned about whether she would be able to stay healthy throughout the whole tournament uh she did uh she was really a rock for this team um maybe more uh consistently dependent dependable than any other player on the team now that I think about it um uh that that was a real linchpin and um you know hopefully she's able to stick around I'm not sure um you know what that ankle is gonna be, whether it's gonna be a chronic issue, whether it's just gonna strengthen. On from here, but um, uh, that's that's this is a team that uh, just does not just does not stop and just sort of keeps reloading. It's
0: Gems uh, on gems, man. So how about we end on this? Rose Lavelle, rose she rose to the occasion, if you will, uh, and we've all got rose colored glasses because of it. She's obviously a star. Maybe she isn't. Uh, m- maybe she's your pick for player of the tournament, but I don't know. Um, mine is Kelly O'Hara. Who's yours?
1: Ooh, player of the tournament. Um, I think that Rose the Vell... Rose the had the most outstanding performances and is the one that grew the most uh, throughout the tournament. I think really not only not only showed what she could do, but I think perhaps herself learned... What she could do at the highest level, um, I think there was maybe a little bit of doubt. I mean, naturally, I think until you're there, there's got to be a little bit of doubt as to whether you could do it, whether you could stay healthy. Um, but she was able to essentially stay healthy the whole tournament, was able to play 90 minutes in the final after tweaking her hamstring. So I think a lot of questions have been answered in the strong, strong, affirmative uh so I think, yeah, for me, she's the player of the Eternity but Kelly O'Hara is right there. I think Samantha Mewis, um, Samantha Mewis is the player I was the most frustrated, wasn't getting the time that I thought she deserved. And I think that she the door was open a crack for her and she just kicked it in. So I think
0: maybe I'm the proudest of uh, Samantha Mewis. Other honorable um, mentions, perhaps Julie Ertz, who can do it all and and does it and always shows up uh, and and maybe we've seen her for so long that we forget how incredible she is. Imagine this team without her. Uh, and another one is, of course, Alex Morgan. that's sort of the obvious choice going into it, but she scored those five and then kind of faded. But I think it's really important to understand and really think back on how the U.S. progressed through these games. A lot of it had to do with Alex Morgan uh, attracting attention, winning penalty kicks, and doing the things that aren't always glamorous but still gave our team an edge. And she found a way to have an impact even though she goes home uh, without that golden boot. Maybe they can share it somehow.
1: Yeah, Alex Morgan took a beating... Uh, for this team there's always you know physical play fouls but uh, I would be shocked if she wasn't head and shoulders the most fouled player in the tournament and uh, a a lot of our success came out of her being fouled her putting herself in positions where she was alone and isolated knew she was going to take fouls knew she would have to kind of gathered herself up because there wasn't another player who could necessarily do exactly what she was bringing to the table. Um, you know, I still retain my uh, uh, my extreme Lindsay Horan uh, fandom. Uh, I I think that uh, there are things that she can... Every player on this team, in that midfield in particular, has things that they can do that no one else... Uh, that no one else can do. Uh, I think that it could have been a pretty bitter sw- pill to swallow to um, be sort of a locked-in starter, to pick up a relatively minor injury going into the World Cup and then kind of lose your um, lose your starting spot and not even uh, appear in, in the final. Uh, but, you know, I think that, like so many other people on this team. Uh, She was in it for the team. Uh, She had a plan. Uh, She was ready to go when need be. She was ready to cheer um, when need be. And I think that now that we've seen other people emerge, uh, I hope that we find ways to utilize her ability to find other people in space that I think is... uh, pretty much unparalleled on the team. I don't think we really saw it, but her sense of the space on the field and her ability to find it without really having to sort of look and then look again uh, and to move that ball quickly. Uh, I'm excited about her sitting deep and finding Lavelle and Muis uh, in even more space than uh, than they they currently have been getting. Yeah. So um yeah. Uh so she's not my player of the tournament but but she's I think my um still my player to watch and I think uh in terms of who to build the team around. I think we're seeing a transition. I think we were built the team around the attack and now I think we we start to become a team where we build around the midfield and perhaps start doing some things to shore up the defense.
0: Beautifully said. Kwam Das, I'm not done with this team, and I don't know the details yet, but I don't think this show is done with this team, and you, the listener, should not be done with this team. Don't be done. Stay with it. Stay tuned. Uh, Tune in for the Olympics. Tune in to the NWSL, because this shit's awesome. Folks, I love it when I feel a cool breeze on a hot day. Makes me think of uh, a Miyazaki animation where the, the grass is sort of Wavering in a mystical breeze. I also love uh, low maintenance plants around the house. Get a get a little bamboo bamboo shoot going. Just put some water in there and forget about it. It's beautiful and it's green. Uh, and I quite like uh, iced tea. These are these are summery and naturey. Uh, you know, I like myself an iced tea. But not just a, not only do I love like a good southern sweet tea. I also like myself a nice. Uh, just, uh, oolong why not, you know, try it out try out some different teas, did you know that green tea and black tea are made from the same plant blow your fucking mind but I don't love any of that shit as much as I love the gnats we done did it it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people it's we the people